Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, June 11th, 2021. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, we have a ton of stuff coming up in the podcast feed over the weekend. First of all, the Ooh. new episode of Jan Simpson's All the Drama will be dropping on our Patreon feed on Saturday. That episode is about um, the play No Place to Be Somebody, which was the 1970 winner for Pulitzer Prize for Drama. It was the first Pulitzer Prize for Drama winner to have been written by an African-American playwright, and that was Charles Gordon. Um, she will have a great episode about that dropping in the Patreon feed, and her very first episode about I Am My Own Wife will be in the regular feed. So you'll definitely have lots of jam nice. to listen to, especially if you are on both Patreon and our regular feed. All the Jan and all the all drama. The sure, Jan. Then <laughs> on Sunday, I believe in our group chat, you called her the Queen. Yes. The qu- the Queen Marilyn queen will be Marilyn. joining. Queen Marilyn will be joining this week on Broadway. The one, the only, the immortal Marilyn May will yes. be joining um, not only James, Peter, and Michael, but uh, Jenna Tessa Fox will be joining as nice. well. So uh, check that out on Sunday. Of course, if you want to hear that first, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. And then a week from Sunday, oh boy. you, me, and Grace are going to be having the time of our lives as we take over the mothership <laughs> that is this week on Broadway. We will be talking about both Oslo from HBO and... Yep. And in the Heights, which will be on yeah. HBO Max as well, which is out now. Actually, it's out now, we, out today. We be, well, yesterday. Yes, yeah. Time's a flat circle. Exactly. Um, Jeremy, bury me, baby. Oh, I should Jeremy, bury me. Every a time, at this every point. time we do this, you're like, oh, I, I should have made that reference. Yeah, to Jeremy, bury me. <laughs> um, but then now it's a Loki thing with the TVA. But anyway. Uh. This episode uh, of Today on Broadway is exciting because not only are we going to have a little bit of news and some recommendations, but at the end, I had an interview with the vice president and chief operating officer of Playbill, Alex Bursch, who is also running next Thursday's Glimmer of Light concert, which is their, which is Playbill's first ever open to the public concert. This will Ooh. be celebrating pride in the reopening of theaters and venues in New York City. Um, we'll have more information of that, obviously, Love in the interview, and we'll have a link in the show notes. But, Ashley, let's get on to the news. First up, I know you and Grace talked about this oh, yesterday. Oh, yeah. The sh- your two guys' favorite show, <laughs> the show you will be at as soon as it opens. Yep, opening night, maybe. To Kill a Mockingbird is officially coming back. It was announced on Thursday morning. The show will return to the Schubert Theater beginning on October 5th. Now, that's the news that you two discussed on yesterday's show. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that you didn't know when you did that recording True. that were announced with the press release on uh, on Thursday. The first is that the original stars, Jeff Daniels and Celia Keenan-Bolger, will be returning to their roles as Atticus and Scout Finch, respectively. Pretty big news, I think. I, I, I feel like having somebody with the name recognition of Jeff Daniels allows this show, combined with the, the name recognition of the property itself, to have a pretty good long run. They had settled mm-hmm. into that at the Schubert. They had um ed harris come in greg kinnear was supposed to replace ed harris obviously yeah. that's not happening now he might be after jeff daniels but if they can continue to cast this well with a name for atticus like i feel like this could set up shop at the schubert for two three four five more years to come ashley 
<laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that threat. I agree with you. I don't remember. I feel like, I mean, at this point, Kill a Mockingbird is such a big property. One, it has re- name recognition because everybody on Earth, uh, right. at least in America, has read it in high school. So pretty much every single person has read To Kill a Mockingbird and therefore has some kind of attachment to it. But also the play in general at this point has attachment because it's what the best-selling American play of all time. Um, well, not this one, but yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't remember. I feel like we had a point when I guess Ed Harris was in after Jeff Daniels left that you, stuff, it had slowed down a little bit, but but at that point it had been on for two years, I think, a year and a half. And long recouped. Yeah. And long recouped. Very long since recouped. So putting Jeff Daniels back in is a very good move, I think, just in general, but also as far as opening things up and getting big names back in. But also I think anytime you have a long running show, um, I I really think it's a smart move in this case when you know as we're seeing this <laughs> this very uh, a thing that is only happening for the first time of shows like having to do these re- this big reopening. I think this is the smartest move to have like your original yeah. cast members come back and really sell it as it was originally presented. You're basically doing a redo of the opening. Yeah. But what's interesting is, is as big as the news of CKB and Jeff Daniels returning to the show, that was not the biggest scoop that we got about To Kill a Mockingbird on Thursday. The biggest scoop, in my mind at least, is the fact that Scott Rudin is no longer the show's mm-hmm. executive producer. Instead, Oren Wolf, who is the president of Network's touring company, they handle a bunch of the national tours, he will be taking on the EP role. Now, Network's, his company, is already handling the national tour, which will launch in March. And Wolf has also produced on Broadway The Band's Visit, the most recent revival of Fiddler, Beautiful Once, all a lot of other shows, and nice. tons of national tours. So what's interesting about this, Ashley, is that we've seen the Lehman trilogy eliminate Scott Rudin Productions and keep it in-house with the National Theater and one of the other companies that had done it in the, the UK and brought mm-hmm. it over as well. Here we have Mockingbird. Uh, obviously, Lincoln Center Theater was already a part of the production, and then they brought in their tour production producer to fill in the gap so i wondered what this means for the other srp shows i think Mm -hmm. book of mormon if it decides to come back and it handles its book problems which it sounds like matt and trey and bobby and and casey really want to do Mm -hmm. if it comes back i don't think that they're gonna have any problem filling in Rudin's gap. I mean, no, I don't Trey, so. and, Trey and Matt could buy and sell Scott Rudin, which is not an easy thing to say. <laughs> so true. Book of Mormon is fine. So what does that mean for West Side Story? Will somebody be willing to pick up the mantle on that show since it's had its own fair share of controversy, even aside from its producer? And mm-hmm. it wasn't exactly the most beloved show when it opened. It had its lovers, um, but between... The, the cuts that Evo made, the video things happening off stage, mm-hmm. just the show itself wasn't beloved. Then you throw in, uh, Amar Ramasar being in the cast yeah. and whether or not he returns to the show or not. Um, uh, I just wonder if this West Side Story revival is going to have as much luck reopening as some of Scott's other shows? I think that's a very good question. I think something that we've been thinking about a lot over the past year. Also just, you know, I think I 
I expect to see West Side Story return uh, in tandem with the movie is, mm, I think, what's going to happen. I think that's the best possible promotion for West Side Story, the musical, this current production, is the fact that there will be a movie going on at the same time and during tourism season because it's supposed to totally. be released in December. Mm-hmm. So I don't see there being a problem with West Side Story coming back. I think they'll certainly change casts. I also don't think that's a problem with getting rid of Rudin because it already has name recognition. It's one of the best musicals of all time. It's one of the longest you know, classic musicals of all time. I so I think it's going to be a problem with the production more than anything. And this production, as you said, a lot of yeah. people had problems with it to start with. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, I think it's got the name recognition. I think it has the good timing of coming back when there's also going to be the the film uh, remake. I think, <laughs> I think Scott Rudin currently, or, you know, not Scott Rudin, honestly, but I think these productions have the advantage that they can separate themselves from Scott Rudin because everything yeah. that's left that he's got going on have either name recognition or they're great shows that have been yeah. well selling in either country that they've been performed in. Yeah. I, the, the one thing that I think is interesting is that if this West Side Story comes back as you think it might, and then we've got the movie, yeah. neither one of those are necessarily the West Side Story that people know. You right. know, we, yeah. we know all the changes and cuts that Evo made. Steven Spielberg redid a number of stuff, including, yep. you know, which I'm not complaining about because he got Rita Moreno in the cast, but it's a different version of doc and i think it changes um quite a bit so i think it's interesting that we could have two west side stories and both of them are probably making arthur lawrence turn over in his grave (laughs) probably but that's not hard to do i I feel like he's like he's like on a rotisserie thing like he's never rolling over in his grave (laughs) arthur lawrence on a spit yeah yeah there you go Uh, anyway we've got a little bit of other uh, schubert related news but this is not about the theater it's about the larger schubert organization as the schubert foundation announced on thursday that they were awarded 32.1 million dollars in grants to 575 not-for-profits art uh, not-for-profit arts organizations across the country the companies range from theaters to dance troops to theater training programs to youth training programs and more the grants range from ten thousand to three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars and were distributed to orgs quote from large to small from urban to rural uh, honestly, coming out of this Very pandemic nice. where most of these places probably haven't been able to do a lot for the past 15 months, good for the Schubert organization. It's always fun to me to go to a regional theater show and see the Schubert Foundation logo in the program and know yeah, yeah. that the good work the Schuberts did, it was impacting folks outside of New York. So definitely. very, very pleased for this. Yep, definitely. I I second that as far as like the logo and the program. Love seeing that. That's such an exciting thing to me, especially if I'm going to a regional show and coming from the city. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, look how wide reaching that is. It's great. Great yeah. news. Yeah. Awesome. All right. We're going to do our recommendations here before we get into the ad and then the the interview. The two that I have are very um, Lin-Manuel Miranda-centric. Yeah. The first one is the entire eight-minute number from In the Heights in which Daphne Rubin Vega sings Carnival de Barrio. Um, it actually is more than just her. She leads it. Um, and um, it's a really 
great number. And if you pay attention, you might see some special cameos from uh, In the Heights and Hamilton alums, one or two of them in there as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And the other one is the thing that, at least for me, <laughs> took took my heart and the theater world um, on such an emotional ride on Thursday. And that is because Netflix, timing it very well with the release of In the Heights, yeah. released the teaser trailer um, for the Lin-Manuel-directed um, big screen. Yeah, it's a big screen because it's going to select theaters. Adaptation mm -hmm. of... Uh, it's. I mean, I guess it's kind of a Jonathan Larson musical. He wrote it even though it was adapted yeah. after he died. Anyway, Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield. And I got to tell you, the, the uh, teaser huh. was very emotional. But, man, when they give him Jonathan's haircut, like, he really does look they like Jonathan it. Larson. They did it. I was in shock. As soon as I cut to him, I'm like, oh, okay. Because I get it. I've been very critical of this casting, uh, but he looks good. I'm impressed. And he actually, they. I mean, obviously there was singing in the trailer, but we hear him doing a little bit of boho dance. Yeah. Which I'm Sounded so glad they kept in, which I feel like is Jennifer Ashley Tepper's influence there. It should be. It should be. Yeah, because that's <laughs> yeah. on – that's kind of like almost the Curtain Call song or yep. something yeah, it's a, um, it's at the a, end of the show. It's a demo. Yeah, it's a demo, a demo added track, yeah. Yeah, so um, very cool there. So in addition to Andrew Garfield, you've got Alexandra Shipp, um, Robin DeJesus from – in the in the Heights family as well, mm -hmm. Joshua Henry, MJ Rodriguez, um, Bradley Whitford, Tariq Trotter, Judith Light, and Vanessa Hudgens are all in this. We still don't know when it's being released. It just said in the fall. It'll be released yeah. in select theaters, but also on Netflix this fall. So I got goosebumps I'm watching so it as the devoted, um, uh, you know, Jonathan Larson and Rent meant so much to me. And then when I discovered yeah. Tick, Tick, Boom, it's so... Uh, such a great, you know, addition to that catalog. So very much recommend that. Check that out. And so um, we will have a link in the show notes. It's a busy week for Lin-Manuel Miranda between drama it's, books yeah. uh, in the Heights and this. It's always a busy week for Lin-Manuel Miranda. It's Lin-Manuel's world. We're just living in it. Absolutely. All right. Let's take a break real quick before we get into our interview to talk about our sponsor for this week, Upstart. If you're not Lin-Manuel Miranda, there's a chance that you hate looking at your credit card statements every <laughs> month. He doesn't have that problem. But Upstart is here to help you get out of that endless cycle of debt. Yeah, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. And unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. They look at your income, employment history, stuff that actually matters. With a five-minute online rate check, you can get your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. And most importantly, you get that money fast, like one business day after accepting your loan fast. Yeah, so find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Broadway. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash Broadway. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Once again, go to upstart.com slash Broadway. All right, Ashley, as promised, let's get into my interview with Alex Birch from Playbill talking about the glimmer of light concert, which is this huge event that was created by the Neon Coven and sponsored by Cadillac. Um, it, mm -hmm. all, uh, it 
It will support the Born This Way Foundation. It'll happen next Thursday, June 17th at 8.30 p.m. at Radial Park. We will have information in the show notes on how you can get tickets. And um, uh, we mentioned this before, Ashley. Um, Lynn mm. Rodino is uh, the one of the executive producers. Yes, so I feel like he's Broadway radio family by extension. Yeah. So, yeah, so very excited about that. So here's my interview with Alex. Alex, this is a first for Playbill, uh, from what I understand, of doing a live, in-person concert. And that's saying something for an organization that's well over a century old. So coming out of the pandemic and all of the craziness that was wrought on the theater community during that, where did the idea to kind of launch... You know, the opening of of theater, the reopening of theater during Pride Month with Glimmer of Light. When did that start coming together? What was the thought process behind that? And how did the ball get rolling with this concert coming up in just a few weeks? Well, thanks so much for the question, Matt. Yeah, this has been quite an endeavor that has been a lot of fun to put together. And the what's remarkable about it is indeed what you said. Granted, we've done concerts before in the past, but always private. We've always done them, Mm. you know, without not public facing. This is indeed our first public facing, you know, concert. And the fact that it's happening, you know, toward the end of a global pandemic uh, is certainly not a coincidence, but it certainly doesn't make it any less wild. And, (laughs) you know, when during this pandemic, we have needed to pivot, we've needed to understand what we are as a brand, what that what what it means to look at the the brand name Playbill. And we really are leaning heavily into the fact that we are an events brand. And it, we've always been an events brand, but not in the way that we are kind of becoming. And that's mm-hmm. been a mission of mine to really have us become that in my tenure. And for this specific event, Glimmer of Light, on June 17th, you know, it is, it's something that for, I mean, we had been, we've been talking about it for months and we've been planning it for months. But at one point, a couple months ago, I said to my creative director, Brian Campione, who's one of the executive producers on it, along with Leonard Rodino, I said to Brian, Brian, I believe we should do this thing in person. And it kind of surprised him. And I said, look, in June, I think the world's going to be a lot different. And Brian said, you know, I've been thinking the same thing. And, you know, we, we just kind of from there decided, all right, what could we do? Even if the world took a bit of a step back, what could we do to kind of hedge our bets in a way? And we said, ha, drive in. Yeah. And that's <laughs> so, where Radio Park comes in. That's where Radial Park comes in. So Glimmer of Light happening on June 17th at 8.30 p.m. at Radial Park. And tickets are still available for it, but they're moving. So I would suggest anybody who wants to go, you should go and buy them soon. All of the proceeds of those tickets go directly to Born This Way, to the Born This Way Foundation. And we absolutely love the Born This Way Foundation. It's the first time we actually have gotten to finally work with them on an event and it's just uh, it's just been so wonderful to uh, to, you know, not just be partners with them on this, but to just fully understand, you know, the message that they're going for. And really just, you know, it's just been such a such a, an enlightening and 
honestly, overall, really positive experience. That's great. Yeah. And what's interesting is, as I read through all of the multiple press releases that have come out about the different stars that are going to be participating, like it's got a great lineup, which I want to talk about, but it seems like it's a little more than just, you know, something you would see at a cabaret where everyone gets up and sings a song um, that kind of ties into the glimmer of light theme. It seems like with the involvement of the neon coven, like it sounds like this is more than just a standard park and bark kind of concert. <laughs> That's correct. You've actually said one of my absolute favorite uh, phrases in the theater. <laughs> uh, the This is a, a true multimedia experience, multi-sensory experience. It's going to be, uh, you know, obviously folks on stage performing. There's going to be videos that people get to watch. Um, you get to buy food and drinks there. I mean, it's, it, you know, it's it is going to be a true multi-sensory multimedia experience at radial park. And it's the reason why we're going there. I mean, they have a huge blow up projector that we're using and they have a stage and uh, not a lot of places can say that. And so that's why we're heading there. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the, the folks that you have brought together um, for this event. A lot of, Theater names that people uh, know with Alex Newell, Ariana DeBose, her co-star from The Prom, Joe Allen Pellman, um, also a city council candidate and, and drag artist favorite Marty Cummings. When you put out the call for folks that you wanted to be a part of this event, what was the pitch and, and what did you tell them to get them excited about getting back on stage and doing something in person for many of them, potentially for the first time in, you know, pushing a year and a half? I mean, not a ton of <laughs> pitching there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was really, look, we're doing this and it's, you know, it, it's to spread this message. It's to, uh, you know, help raise money for this cause. And it's in person at a drive-in in Queens and really kind of <laughs> speaks for itself. I mean, hell, if I could sing, I'd want to do it. Yeah. Well, and what's so interesting about this concert it, to me is I feel like of course, during this month, we see every brand known to man, some authentically and some cynically, kind of throwing up the rainbow flag and, and trying to promote themselves as uh, as LGBTQIA plus positive. But Playbill has been one of the leaders in the theater community at really kind of shepherding this, you know, with the launch of Playbill Pride. I guess I think I saw something recently that was like seven years ago. And this seems to be a really natural outgrowth uh, of that relationship and that message that Playbill has really been a part of of pushing and standardizing um, for not just the seven years of Playbill Pride, but for much longer back into its history as well. Oh, certainly. I mean, this has been so many years leading up to, you know, up to this, up to this moment. Um, you know, it, it really, I mean, when my father started his career at Playbill and I, I'm the, I'm the third generation of my family to mm -hmm. Playbill and uh, other Phil when Broadway directly fights AIDS began, he was on their board. He's been their treasurer for well over 20 plus years, 25 years. And, you know, we've, we have worked so closely with BCFA and of course the actors fund, but I mean, it has been, it's really been a mission of ours for a long time to make sure that, that those within the LGBTQIA plus community feel absolutely at home in the houses of Broadway and beyond. And 
all those years ago when we changed the playbill color to rainbow, that was a message from my father, from our family, from, <laughs> from playbill for saying that it doesn't matter if this thing is 137 years old. If we need to share a message, we're going to share it. And we are just obviously to use the word, we're so proud uh, to really have that type of standing within the community. It's always one that we want to grow and not just be complacent in. And it's just, it's something that means a lot to, to us as an entire company, not just my father and I did it. It means so much to so many people, to all, all of us at Playbill. And it, it just, it all, you know, it brings a tear to my eye to feel that our, our standing, how we are taken in by the community, seeing us in the light that we are trying to present. I mean, it, it really is beautiful. And I thank everybody for accepting that and for, for seeing us in that way and, and seeing us evolve and, and evolve with us to help grow the message and spread it out even further. Well, you mentioned Playbill growing and evolving. And at the beginning of our conversation, you said that you would like to see Playbill become more of a, I guess, forward-facing events company. And Glimmer of Light might be a, a potential, you know, starting point for that. What does that mean? What, you know, like you said, you've always been doing events, you know, that weren't open to the public. With something like this, where does this go in the future for what Playbill does, who you are, and and what might be coming down the pike? Well, I can't be – I have to be a bit cagey with That's that. That's fine. But, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I have a feeling we'll be talking again soon in a few months. All right. What it means is is really leaning into the fact that we have a very recognizable and beloved brand that when you see our brand – you usually smile a bit if you've ever been to Broadway because it reminds you of something. It reminds you of a time that you had a, an absolutely joyous experience. And we really, we, we, we take pride in that. We are, we are honored that people feel that way. And we want to make sure that we utilize our standing that way as best we can. And what that means is, is, is doing forward-facing events in public places or in private areas, but ticketed, that will bring people closer to the art form that they love, but maybe in a different way, maybe in a more concert basis, maybe in this type of a multimedia, multi-sensory experience. I mean, this is, you know, the, the, the performance space is a large one and it's a growing one. And one thing that, you know, I know for sure are a couple things. The first is, is that everybody, even if, even though I get questions all the time about a digital playbill here and nobody actually really wants that. And so we, and, and the longer that we will be around, the more special, rare, and truly unicorn-like will be the actual pre-printed memento that is your program that is Playbill uh, in Broadway and across the country. But the next thing is, is that with Playbill as a brand overall, making us more ubiquitous in the actual event space I'm going to make certain that it happens. And, and because I want people to have a different memory, a different joyful memory with us. And that's my goal. Well, it sounds like one that is very much in line with everything going on with uh, Glimmer of Light. So that's really exciting. You know, we've talked about the fact that this is going to be live in person in Queens at Radio Park on June 17th. But... For those out there who either might not be ready to attend something in person or 
don't live within a commuting distance uh, to New York City, they will be able to stream this a week after um, the live again, a live event beginning on June 24th on Playbill.com and your YouTube uh, channel. What can you tell us about how this is going to, you know, kind of be available for those fans outside of New York? Is it going to be the same, just a, a, a pro shot of what happens? Is there going to be extra content? What is that uh, product going to be like when people tune into uh, your websites on uh, on June 24th? Uh, they'll be able to see a uh, version what is going to be there in person i can't disclose exactly what it's going to look like but <laughs> okay. it will it will certainly full of be- secrets alex you're full I of secrets know, i know i know i'm, I, I'm a closed <laughs> i'm a closed playbill but, uh but i i but really though it, it will certainly be worth watching and yes it'll be on june 24th and we're just uh, really excited to be able to share it with folks like that yeah um so we have kind of talked about the the concert, what's next for the concert. But as you kind of mentioned, Playbill, the brand itself, even though you are on digital, you're doing these concerts, really all comes back to the programs that are handed out in shows. As theaters have kind of been gearing up towards returning to the stage, there's been a lot of discussions about what we've learned over this past, you know, 15 months off. And then it'll obviously be more before shows uh, actually return. And there's been a lot of discussions about whether that's, um, you know, uh, gender equality or, or racial reckoning and a lot of things about how just to do theater better. Has Playbill as a brand and as a company, have you all learned something about how you want to move forward with, you know, kind of the core business from not being able to do that core business over the past year plus? I think what it really, what spoke to us was, you know, what can we do as a brand that is <laughs> pandemic proof, I guess. <laughs> and, and what that means is, are, are these events that we are putting on? And, you know, it's really, honestly, making sure that we cover the theater as best we can cover theater adjacent media as best we can. And, uh, and really just kind of leaning into what our, what our readers want to read from us and what they want to come to be. And you know, we've been so proud to be able to report on the way that the Broadway industry is, is changing when it comes to, you know, talking about, uh, you know, talking about, the racial equality and just overall heightened diversity. And like, we, these are, these are topics that we've never really talked about before because we didn't think anybody would want to hear it from us because we're just, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're playbill. I mean, we, we, we talked just to kind of about the theater news of the day and that was that. And so we, when we talked, when we, we put our heads together back at the end of May or at the start of June of, of 2020, we, we, we just said, I mean, like, are we, like, do people like, do we deserve to talk about this? And then, and then it became abundantly clear one, absolutely. Because then two, by doing so, we set a standard and we set an example and we were happy to do that. And, and when we, when we did, it just felt that, you know, a lot of other uh, organizations kind of fell into that line and, and were, were fearless in reporting about it and, and writing about it. And we're just thrilled to have been, have been part of that and and to also see that grow as well and to grow alongside that. Yeah. Well, I will wrap this up, Alex, with just kind of teeing you up with a question that I feel like you've probably answered many times since Glimmer of Light was announced. But 
for those folks who are either thinking about attending Radio Park in uh, on the 17th or uh, potentially streaming it on the 24th, what can they expect from this very unique event? What what are the feelings? What are the vibes? What are the emotions? What are what's the excitement that you're hoping they're going to be able to take away, whether they see it in person or on screen? Always, always, always be proud of who you are. Never ever apologize for yourself. Any part of you, embrace yourself. Embrace the weird. Embrace the great. <laughs> embrace the uncertain. And do not ever be afraid to party because we are going to be partying that night. That sounds great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. Very much looking forward uh, to not only Glimmer of Light, but all of the stuff that Playbill uh, has in store that you are not able to talk about yet. So uh, hopefully we will get a chance to talk about some of those things once you are legally and contractually allowed to discuss them publicly. (laughs) You can count on it, man. Sounds good. All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at New. This is Ashley. All right, everybody, big weekend in both the Patreon and regular feed. Don't forget to subscribe to both. Head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. Have a wonderful weekend. And Ashley, I think you and I will be back to greet everybody on Monday. (laughs) 